When you did that doo 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 doo, it reminded me of uh, Rocky, the first Rocky. Why? Because when Rocky's singing to his wife when they're in bed, like I guess uh, near the beginning, yeah, he sings that to her a little bit. Yo, what does he say? Yo, I can't even. Wow, I can't yo, even do Yo, yo, Adrian. Yo, Adrian. I did cut it. My, <laughs> cut my eye. Cut my eye. Yo, oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Mick, cut my eye. Hey. Welcome to Scatterbrain Podcast, episode 118. You know what? Uh, I've been watching a lot of like stuff about um, Rocky Marciano, actually. Dude, that guy was the best fighter in history. He was the only like heavyweight champion who that, that guy was a bull, dude. You couldn't knock him over. It was insane. And he was, he was like too small to be a heavyweight fighter. He had to like beef himself up. His, his arms were like super short. So he, he perfected that style where you like, you lean down so you don't get the hits and then you come up under him and then you jab him and he had these powerful punches, but you, he got knocked down only once his entire career. And he was unbeaten his whole record, his whole, the whole time he boxed, I think he was 49 and 0 or something. And then he retired wow. and never and never boxed again. It was never beaten. And the guy was like under he was undersized for a heavyweight guy. Had no style. He just couldn't be fucking knocked over. It's a tough guy, huh? <laughs> what? I, like one of his last fights was against a guy that everyone was like, it doesn't matter. This guy's going to beat the fuck out of Rocky Marciano, right? And the first round, the guy knocked him over. Like he actually fell to the mat and he got up and was unfazed. And he like walked around a little bit and then came back in and he ended up fucking knocking that dude out like later in the, in the fight. And that guy was amazing actually. And uh, it's just, it, it stuns me that more people don't put him at the, the top of all of the heavyweight fighters. Cause all the other ones had, all the other ones had losses. I mean, there's middleweight and welterweight, you know, those guys, there's been fighters who have been unbeaten, but he was the only heavyweight champion that was unbeaten and retired and never boxed again the guy was fucking awesome dude got you on that kick what happened there how'd you get into that one I, it just came up on my youtube like you know something for you new to you kind of thing and it was some some boxing site because i was watching mike tyson stuff so you know the the boxing algorithm kicked in and then it started throwing me different you know different fighters through history and biographies and stuff and i saw rocky marciano and it was like you know, only unbeaten fighter or something like that. And I was like, yeah, really? And I clicked on it and I watched like three or four documentaries on the guy, dude. He was, he was something else, really interesting. And I didn't know till yesterday or the day before I was watching a different biography about him. And, and he died in a plane crash in 1968 or 69. Does that suck? Dude, whenever yeah. I hear about someone dying in a plane crash, like, I don't know, it just bums me out. It's like so much more life left, you know? You mean Randy Rose or Steve Ray Vaughn, the helicopter, you know, it's like back or Kobe Bryant, you know, it's just like, God damn it. That sucks. Well, it means people aren't supposed to be flying, you know, 30,000 uh, feet in the air. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Or just hovering over, a, yeah. hovering over a place. And then yeah. helicopters scare me, dude. I don't know if I'll ever get on a helicopter. There's something just so unnatural about being in a helicopter. I mean, being in a big metal tube flying through the air is one thing. You know, but just it's something that doesn't have wings where if the engine fails, you go straight down. No, fuck that. You know? Yeah, there's no uh, coasting in, is there? <laughs> no, you're just doomed. It's like, no, just, does this engine work? I mean, like, is there two? Is there a backup engine? No. You know what I mean? A big parachute that maybe can deploy if the engine fails? No. Okay, fuck that. I'm not getting on that thing. It's crazy. 
um, unless it's one of those like uh, what are the gyrocopters, you know, the um, the ones that have wings. They're you know, the one of the first ones uh, where if the engine fails, the the blades keep spinning and it slowly lowers you down. Those things are like as safe as you what get. The, those ospreys. No, they're no, no, no. Those, those are, are not totally safe. dangerous. Those are, yeah, those those are, are totally, totally dangerous. Yeah. No, I think they're called um, I think they're called uh, not gyrocopters. They're um, oh god, that Russian guy invented them way back in the 30s or something or 40s. But it's just it's basically a seat with a big propeller on it. But if the engine fails, the propeller keeps going and it just slowly lowers you down instead of just dying out on you and boom, you fall like a rock. You know what I mean? Hmm, so you can, yeah, I think it's gyro, gyro, gyroscope, gyrocopter. I forgot. Anyway, uh, so that was my my little rant there. No, it's good, man. Sometimes uh, different things come up and it makes for interesting thought, you know? Let's get it out of the way. How was it? <laughs> what are you talking about, my friend? Anvil, tell me. Uh, the Anvil show. Would you believe me if I told you that we went out for drinks with with lips after? I might. Yeah. Did you really? No. no. Oh, God damn. Thank God. <laughs> thank God you oh, not. Oh, you, would, you wouldn't wish your friend to have some fun. Huh? You'd, you'd oh, with, the, one of my childhood, with one of my childhood, I, one of my childhood idols, you know, and I like totally miss the show. You go see him. You basically don't really give a fuck about Anvil. And then you tell me you had drinks with him. I'd probably shoot myself. I don't not give a fuck about Anvil. Come on. Okay, I know you don't not give a fuck, but you know, you you're uh, new to the game. I don't know what you'd say. I'm they're not. I didn't grow up listening to them. Uh, mm-hmm. if that's what you mean. That's like that's like if I told you you missed the lat like Slayer comes to town for one actual last show. I went. You had to miss it or missed it. And I said, "Oh yeah, by the way, I went out. I went out and had drinks with um Tom Araya. Sorry." You'd be like <laughs> seething. Uh, I think I'd be stoked for you, actually. I think you're lying. I guess I guess I'm selfish. Whatever. That's okay. No, it was, it was good, man. We had uh, my wife's a good sport, you know. She goes. Actually, she was the one that initiated the tickets. She's like, "You want to go to this?" I guess she got the email after buying the tickets for us to go see Nervosa and Destruction. What an awesome wife! Yeah. So we went and went down to. Uh, you ever been to World Curry down in PB? No. no is that where they, what is that where they no play? no that's where we, we had some food and walked around and then we went to the oh. show right from there because it was only a short drive away wasn't it at house of blue it was a, it was at house of blues right no no it was brick brick by brick oh oh shit that's even better for some reason yeah. i was thinking house of blues yeah cool. no, it was awesome we uh got there during the i'd say like the second half of the band that preceded them yeah and that band was called White Wizard. I'd never heard of them before, but apparently they've been around since 2007 or something like that. Mm-hmm. But I, re- I actually liked them, man. They were like that like traditional kind of uh, heavy metal vocals, like with the, not like the, sc- not screaming more, but more uh, like your style, the style that you like, that where they go like higher pitch and stuff like that, you know? But this guy was doing that and going up really high and then he was able to drop it down to like really low growls and stuff he did that a couple times it was, it was pretty good but the uh vocalist stood out for me quite a bit for that band huh i'm not, I'm not so much into the like i'm not so much i mean i loved queens Reich in the 80s but i'm not so much into the jeff tate or like uh Mark it wasn't like, like that the, okay yeah that's a little too much it's kind of it's dated now you know but 
I do like, you know, like Blitz, where he's just fucking screaming his guts out, and then every now and then he'll let out that shriek. I love that shit. Yeah, this is a guy's a little more technical than that, but he had really good reviews. He was pretty solid. Cool. It was weird because I got there and I'm like, oh, sweet, a three piece. But then I noticed that there was no bass player. And so I, I, well, yeah, so they had, they were playing, you know, in sequence or whatever, like with the pre-tracked. Yeah. I guess because the the bass player was sick. So they were able to adjust by at least having a bass track. Trippy. Yeah. Once I realized that, I was like, oh, okay. And then afterwards, I didn't know he was afterwards to get the guys at the merch booth and I, and uh, I asked him, I said, were you guys playing with the bass track? He's like, oh, yeah, you know, bass player was sick. So he couldn't, couldn't play. Wait, so they just played tracks as they played the songs and then kind of played to the bass? Because no, th- no, 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 it was just like a back. It was just just bass, just the bass track. I know, but was it like an octavizer on one of the guitars or were they actually No, 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 bass? it was pre-sequenced, yeah. That's like fucking weird. Because everyone plays at different speeds. When, when you're playing live, the bass player or the guitar player, they all have to like flow to each other. That means they all had to play to the bass track. Yeah, well, they all have in-ears probably, right? I mean, they all got that stuff. They play to the drummer. They, I mean, you, you could hear it. I mean, everyone, the drummer is going to be playing with click or whatever to it. And then they're playing to the drummer. You know? But say the drummer's playing a little bit faster that night, or, or a little some part is a little slower for whatever reason, or guitar player misses a spot. The bass player is not there playing live to adjust to it, though. So yeah, they have yeah. to all they have to all adjust to the bass track. That's weird. Yeah, that'd be hard. So don't make mistakes. That's it. Just, just yeah, do it right. Easier, easier said than done, right? Uh, I don't know about you, but just yeah, kidding. sure, whatever. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, hey, man, it's good to be doing this after a week off. Thanks for making the bonus episode happen. It was good to good to get a little break. Yeah, got up to been some camping by the at the beach, which was pretty awesome. The weather was killer, and good to get a couple of days off of work. What beach did you go to? Carlsbad. We went to this place called Halama Beach. So it's up past Santa Barbara, on the one. Oh, oh you went way up north. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty far. Huh. Yeah, it was pretty awesome. You ever camped at the Carlsbad one? I have camped various places. San Alejo, I've camped. I don't know if I've p- camped at the one specifically in Carlsbad. Camped in San Onofre, a couple other spots. But this was this was obviously much further away. But it was really nice. We got we got some good weather and had no cell service, which was kind of nice. How many days? We camped three nights. Stayed slept three nights there. Oh, like wow. Four days, four, I guess. Four days. Oh, that's good. Yeah, it was good, man. It was good to just like hang out at the beach and wake up and you cruise around and hang out at the beach and take a nap and yeah, whatever. Just hang out. I went with uh, Name Redacted here and his wife. Oh, cool. Did you, yeah. did you sleep in tents or what? Yeah, yeah, we slept in tents. Was it right on the beach or was it like on a cliff overlooking the ocean or something? Oh, no, 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 no. It was like we were, our spot wasn't right on the beach but the campground was like right on the beach so we it was like the beach these dunes you know and yeah. then there was like a little road that because it like goes a loop all the way around mm-hmm. and then there was like the first campground that was facing the beach and then we were just on the other side of that one like on the other side 150 feet from the from the beach you know like it's pretty right close there. yeah that's yeah, pretty nice that was your shower for three nights jumping no, in the ocean. they had uh they had showers there i took a shower like the night the last night you know, they're going to be hmm. kind of clean. But then I was still washing the campfire smell off me for like days afterwards. I bet. 
So was a was it like completely open showers where you stand there butt naked in the middle of the the dunes? Well, no, but that's what I did. <laughs> <laughs> no, they're just in this like they got like a separate showers, you know, Aww. like buildings, like a, de- a shower building, and they have each like stall, and you go in there and you like locking private room and That's pay no your dollar. Well, that doesn't sound fun. Do you want to be doing it right in the dunes? Yeah, open open air shower, just just a pole sticking up with a shower, and you pull a chain. It's like full co-ed. Everyone's standing around showering. Sounds great. Sounds <laughs> Don't great. Drop the soap. <laughs> right <laughs> well because all the sand too that'd be pretty rough <laughs> yeah right as soon as you're done showering you have to walk through the sand to get back to your clothes yeah, yeah. <laughs> all dirty again <laughs> oh, so it's a good time well, cool. good to get away that's cool yeah right on but speaking of the shows we got some shows coming up that we should probably hit we got no. violence coming up oh i'm not oh wait i shouldn't say that i intend to not miss that one uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh huh. When, when is that one? August sixteenth. That's gonna be a great show, dude. Yeah, and we reviewed Incantation. They're playing with Goat Whore. I know you like Goat Whore. They're playing August twentieth. Yeah, I don't. I'm not so up for that one. What's another one? Uh, we're gonna go catch out some ambient September twenty third with Blood Incantation. Oh, fuck. That's right. Okay. They're, I guess they're playing metal. They're playing metal. They're not doing that. <sighs> I think it's a rope dope. I think it's a big trick. But um, okay. Maybe. I'll, yeah. yeah I'll, I'll bring my uppers so I don't fall asleep just in case. Just in um, case. New. So we got violence. Gonna see some do that incant- in blood incantation. Blood incantation. And then that's, what, that's good. We don't well you, you said you did. I thought you like goat whore. So no, not so much. No, wait, go, goat whore is I thought you said incantation, or was it blood well, incantation? Well, yeah, it's well incantation and goat whore. So both both they're playing together on the same bill. Blood incantation is a totally different show then. Yes, yes, yes. And then that's the other show, the other oh, okay, I see. And the other show is goat whore and incantation. Yes. Gotcha. So once again, violence, August 16th, go for and in, I don't know, special guests, it says. Yep. Oh, okay. And the other one, August 20th, and then blood incantation, September 23rd. Would you be stunned if I told you that Rick Grin is opening for violence? That would be awesome. That would be fucking crazy. I'd have to like take my Geritol that day or something. That might kill me. Yeah. <laughs> have to relearn it, relearn everything. <laughs> anyway one thing about the anvil show is pretty funny is that he did the whole thing with the dildo of course he did yeah it's classic when he did it did, was it a vibrator or was it just a dildo it when i saw him it was a big rubbery floppy fucking like white veiny like two foot long dildo it was ridiculous okay well, that was not this but this was a vibrator <laughs> he used a vibrator so he was doing like first he did like the he used all the techniques, man. He used it first for uh hammer like, on. So, yeah, slide, well, slide yeah, guitar. Yeah. Well, first he no, first he did as as like the picking hand. It's awesome. And then he did then he was doing it with taps with the tip. So and funny. then he and then he used it as a slide guitar. And then at the oh, end of that part, he started turning it on. So it was like I know Rhythm we saw you. It was hilarious. I, I bet he started the song with that sound with that for motor mount, probably, right? Like, yeah, I think that might like be right, almost, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, yeah, I think right, so, actually. yeah, because it's like kind of, kind of like a car sound almost in its motor mount. Dip your wrench into the stench and twist the nuts up tight. <laughs> oh, God. Pretty good, though. Huh? He's, he's a good guitar player. I mean, he's very basic, but he's very good showman. Yeah, yeah, he was a good showman. You could see he was having fun. Uh, they played a, a good mix of, of the tracks, too. 
I don't remember the whole list, but they played uh, a lot of the main ones. Uh, stuff from the new album, good stuff from the previous album, and almost something, almost something off each album. Played like six 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 legal at last. Oh yeah. baby, last house. Six, six. Bitch in the box. Oh, they played uh, a lot from the from the previous album then. Oh, yeah, okay. uh, Go- Ghost Shadow, which was a new Ghost one. Ghost Shadow, right? Yes. And uh, Mothra, they played. That I was, was going to say, did they play Mothra? Because that's one of their best songs. I love that song. That's yeah, it was song. great. Yeah, Winged Assassins, they played. Winged Assassins is badass too. Did they play for- the Anvil was forged in fire? No, uh, I don't think so. Wow, that's that's new because that's one of their staples. Um, and then they played six 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 Mothra and what was the other metal on really metal f- was the last one. Oh, they did play metal on metal. It's it's not one of their better songs, but it's a good song. And what? All right, and did they play anything? Did they play Toe Jam? Toe Jam? No, they didn't play that. Why did they play oh, off of that album? Man. What album is that? No, one? no, no. The, the one from nineteen eighty eight. Um, uh, it's, it's got Toe Jam on it. It has Blood on the Ice, the hockey song. That's a great song. Blood on the Ice. No. Oh wow. I didn't play that one. Yeah, that's my favorite. That was, that's my favorite. Those are the songs I could remember off the top of my head. That's my favorite. Um, favorite Anvil album actually. Uh, Pound for Pound, nineteen eighty eight. It's a great album. All right. Those were the ones I could remember. But yeah, that's that's twelve of them that I remembered or something. So it's pretty good. He did. Oh, he did the. Uh, what did he do? That that swing thing. Swing thing, yeah, that's I think that's what it's called. The swing thing, I think it's actually on one of their albums. It's on one of their, their older albums, but it's basically where they just jam, they just jam out. Now, I wonder, did they play anything from their very first album, which is not really it sounds almost yeah. more like a yeah, Ted, they did. It sounds like a Ted Nugent ripoff album, kind of like Oh Baby, ba- Oh Baby is on there. That's what they played from that one. I they played Oh Baby, that. Baby, that's a yeah. weird pick, yeah. and uh, um, so they played almost like like one, one or two from like. Almost everything, you know what I mean? It was a pretty good mix. Looks like they, they played three from Metal and Metal and Forge and Fire each. That's cool. Strength of Steel was kind of their, their comeback album, which was a bit of a dud. Did they play like a did they play Strength of Steel or Flight of the Bumblebee? Oh, that's a great know, song. I don't remember. Like I said, Mad the... Dog. Did they play Mad Dog? Maybe. I don't know. Okay. Or Wild Eyes, that's a that's a cover song. Yeah, uh, no, they didn't play. That. I, I'm I'm positive they played either Kiss of Death or Paper General. I'm positive. Yeah, actually, I think they played Paper General. Yeah, I think that's a killer song. Nice. Pound for Pound has Blood on the Ice, Corporate Preacher, Toe Jam, and Safe Sex. They didn't play Safe Sex. They had to have. No, uh, I don't know, man. Again, this is what I remember. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. Um, there's a period in the 90s where I just lost track of Anvil and, and I don't really know a, a bunch of the stuff from the 90s up to about maybe 2004, you know, and then I kind of rediscovered them because they put out some really, really good albums uh, at, coming at about 2007 with um, that one that was you know based on the movie or vice versa, you know, with the Anvil, the Anvil movie, the story of Anvil or whatever. Yeah, actually, I, I borrowed that from you, as you know, I got to give it back to you. But I, before the show yesterday... My wife and I watched part of it so she could kind of get a sense for who Anvil was and stuff like that. She wanted to. She's like, oh, she's like, oh, you want to watch this before you go to the show? I said, sure. Because it was right there by the TV. That's awesome. You didn't, we oh, watched you didn't watch about half. Oh. No, no, okay. we didn't have time. Yeah. We watched about half. But it gave her context to see all the people, you know, Metallica and Motorhead right. and all these guys giving them props, you know, and she saw, you know, the first 40 minutes of the movie or so. So she saw a good amount of it, you know. 
one thing that I didn't know, and you probably did, but did you know that Lips was asked to join Motorhead? Yes. Yeah. I had, I had no idea about that. And he filled in on a uh, second guitar for another Canadian band, Annihilator, for a while back. You know, a while back. Oh, yeah. Those probably. guys, huh? Yeah, but maybe 10 years ago for when they went on tour, they needed a second guitarist and he played the fucking parts, man, which is, I was kind of impressed because that's a little bit heavier than Anvil, but you know, uh, yeah, so they have a new album out, right? Impact is imminent. Yes, let's check it out. Isn't that the name of an Exodus album as well? Impact is imminent. I think so. I have to check. I'm pretty sure that that was the one that came out right after, um, right after their groundbreaking album in 1989. You know, the one with Toxic Waltz and all that. I think that was the follow-up yeah. album. Oh, was that Fabulous Disaster? Yeah. I guess it's been long enough. They could use it if they want to. But they're Anvil. You know, you listen. I was listening to some stuff last night, and I was like, I hear Slayer riffs in there, but this came before Slayer. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So they could use they could use something if it's been that long. I think that they could, if anyone could, probably these guys could. They are the originator. It's Slayer and Anthrax and Metallica that got those riffs from Anvil, yeah. not the other that's way what around. That's what that's what I'm saying. That's what yeah. I'm saying. So if I'm if I'm hearing, oh, that could be like a Slayer thing. It's like, well, that's where Slayer got it. Maybe not. Maybe when they'll, they'll even say that they'll even say that though. That's the thing. Yeah, I, I saw something about um. There was a, a little documentary on youtube about you know who invented thrash metal right and there's so I sent many that to you no actually I, I found oh maybe you did yeah you did you did yeah I but did. i watched i watched a few of that guy's uh, documentaries and they're kind of good but they go on and, and they go on and on and they they mention like exciter and the first slayer album and this and that and, and, and they briefly just throw out like a bunch of other albums that could be the the first true thrash album and then they kind of throw up uh metal on metal from anvil right and then just kind of glaze over it and then keep going and come to the conclusion that it's probably exciter that invented thrash metal and i'm just screaming yeah, the phone. No. no that's incorrect <laughs> and and i don't know if you read the comments but i made a comment saying you know anyone worth their weight in salt who knows metal knows that metal on metal was the first true thrash album um and that's all i have to say right and i got like all these like agree 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 thumbs up thumbs up i was like oh okay i thought i was right you know i never listened to exciter especially but what i have heard does not sound like true thrash metal to me yeah well when you're hearing stuff off of that first album man you to think back like this is 1981 that's uh heavy for that time well that was heavy for that time too but like i said that was more like ted nugent kind of stuff the second album was metal on metal. And that's where it really, they changed their style and became heavier and kind of followed the lead of the new wave of British heavy metal, you know, like Jews priest and, and uh, Iron Maiden and all that, but made it a little bit heavier and not the whole album isn't particularly like super thrashy, but the ones that are like the staples, like six, six, six and Mothra. And those are thrash classics. That was 1982, dude. Yeah. Well, today we're talking about impact is imminent. Yeah. And these are pretty prolific. This is their 19th full-length album. Fucking 19. Yeah. I know. That's crazy. Four tracks, or 14 tracks, 49 minutes, 49 seconds, released May 20th, 2022. Uh-huh. Back in episode 17, 101 episodes ago, dude, we did the that's Anvil episode. The Anvil. That's right. And we reviewed their the 2020 album in that one, didn't yeah. we? Yeah. 
Legal at last. Legal at last. Yeah, they played that. They did? They played that song? Yeah. Oh, cool. Do you know of any of the other songs from that album that they might have played? Um, I, remember, I remember the last song on that album was killer. The Black yeah, Sabbath. It was a pretty album. good album. Yeah. I don't remember what else they would have played off of there. Let me see. Oh, they they played uh, Glass House, I think. Oh, the one you liked. Okay. Yeah. Would you say this album's better than that one from 2020? I think so. This is kind of much like the previous album, Legal at Last, that we reviewed. It seems to be written from the experienced old guy perspective. And I use that like in air quotes, right? Talking Mm -hmm. about stuff, even like that first track, Take a Lesson. You know, it's like giving wisdom. This album continues with that sort of perspective, but it's a little heavier than the last one. The last one I felt was more just straight up hard rock. It was hard rock, yeah. Yeah. This is a little this is a little heavier. Yeah. But all of it, every album sounds like Anvil. It's weird. Yeah, that's true for sure. Yeah, every, as soon as I hear it, I would know it's Anvil. Mostly probably from, from the voice and the fact that he does kind of the same leads on every song. <laughs> yeah. But they're fun, they're fun leads, they're good leads, you know, but same kind of thing i love the sound though and yeah i think i like this one better this lineup is killer i mean obviously you have lips then you have um rob reiner of course right but their bass player dude he's been with them since 2014 i had to go look it up chris robertson uh dude he he rips really he just care he just like holds it down you know that that like thumpy punchy staccato type of old fashioned like tight and clean yeah yeah old fashioned exactly yeah a lot there's there's some songs that do the classic rock you know bomb 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 kind of bass sound you know so it's staccato like you're talking about yeah so yeah i didn't know anything about this tearing it up he looks like he made made some funny faces he kind of reminded me of like a uh long hair mr bean you know mr bean (laughs) oh yeah yeah. Oh really? Just, yeah, just because he kind of he resembled him a little bit, not in a bad way. I'm not trying to, but he did. He kind of like had had the hair that was kind of come out from under his hat, and he just was making these funny faces, like almost like Mr. Bean, who makes you know funny faces. Uh huh. So, but they they kicked some ass, and this album's pretty good. I liked it. Uh, I found a lot of enjoyment in it actually. Um, there there is a kind of almost like a bluesish uh instrumental about halfway through the album that i thought was absolutely awesome and um they then they did it at the end and renamed it gomez and it was just with you know someone saying gomez or something it's just kind of weird how they did it i think the song's called lockdown that was a killer song dude yeah lockdown is a good song yeah teabag what do you think that's about i i like that one that was great (laughs) i know i know so funny now ghost shadows it almost sounds to me like it could have come from the forged and fire album the the, the just because uh, of the vocal patterns and stuff like yeah, the, yeah, the yeah, yeah. ghost shadow goes it's like oh this is totally forged and fire but they still do like they do on almost every album they still do that there's three anvils thing there's the really heavy anvil the like thrash metal sounding one the like good times rock and roll sounding anvil. Yeah, that's right? a good way to put it. I was trying to describe that to my in-laws. <laughs> that's a great way to put it. Yeah, and, and then there's also the, um, I don't know how to describe it, just like the straightforward rock and roll sort of sounding, you know? Like the, the, the thrash metal, like good times goofy, like talking about sax and, or something funny, you know? The, the heavy heavier side than the more like radio sounding kind of rock side. And it seems like they kind of split every album up into, you know, into that three 
you know, into that, into those three categories pretty nicely, actually. And they don't lump them together. They do it like, you know, song to song. It's kind of cool. What other favorite tracks? I think, I think Ghost Shadow is probably my favorite from this album. Oh, really? What, what were some other tracks that you liked? I liked Someone to Hate. I thought Someone to Hate was a great song. That was a good one. That was on my list as well. Bad Side of Town, the one after it is, it's a cool song, but the lyrics are so just like, the lyrics are so just like normal or average or yeah, I it's just like, like some dude talking. <laughs> it's like someone just talking like, you know, you're on the bad side of town. I don't know. It's hard to explain. It's like I was listening to the lyrics going, what a weird thing to sing about. You know, it just didn't really strike me as being, I mean, like the music, but Wizard's Hand is a killer song. And uh, I like Lockdown and Gomez. Is it Wizard's last... Wand or Wizard's Hand? Because that was that was like the last, was that the last track? It was near the end. Oh, did I say Wizard's Hand? I meant Wizard's Wand. No, that's about halfway through it. That's halfway through it. Yeah. Yeah, but I think my favorite song is the uh, instrumental Lockdown, I believe. And that was pretty good. Yeah, they did, they did a lot of instrumental stuff last night as well, which I thought was pretty cool. Passing stuff back and forth and doing some different things. Pretty good. So they must have done March of the Crabs in. That's a great song from uh, Maybe. Metal on Metal. Yeah, they must have. Because that's one of their staples. So cool. Well, I'm glad they were good. How long did they play? Probably an hour and a half, hour 20, something like that, I think. I don't know. Yeah, yeah they could play three hours if they want to do. It was pretty good. He was, uh, I think I sent you a little clip. I posted it. He was started off down on the floor amongst the people and then came back down at the end. Did the same thing. It was pretty cool. Seemed like they were having a good time. Yeah, for how it seems like for how old they are, they really just are very passionate about just playing, constantly playing. I mean, they've they've never really enjoyed huge success. Their peers respect them, you know, going through the history. And but they, I, they, I don't think they, I think they go home and have day jobs, dude. Yeah, dude. Yeah, yeah. They were actually they they had they were driving their own car and towing their own U-Haul. You know, I saw them out front. Yeah, that sounds right. No big fancy tour bus. Was I not correct about the fact that Rob Reiner is a badass drummer, dude? Yeah, and you know what's what's interesting is a lot of their songs, he's got to just like hold it hold it down and, and keep going along. A lot of their songs don't necessarily let him highlight that until he goes off on some of this instrumental stuff, and then it really really shows. Yeah, he's killer too. All these guys are man. All these guys are. Did he do a drum solo? Yeah, he did. Yeah, I love that. Bands just don't do drum solos anymore, but Anvil, I knew, would do a drum solo. And it was good, huh? Yeah, it was very good. Yeah, it went on for a while. They'd come in and do, they'd play together again. And like he went on a drum thing and then brought it back in. Yeah, it was very cool how they put it together. Cool. Right on. So, what would you give this thing? Impact is imminent by Anvil. What would you give it? I like this album. I'm going to give it an eight. Wow. I'm rating it higher than you. Again, you rated the last one higher than me. Too. Yeah, I like this one a lot, man. This one actually is very good. I'm giving it an 8.5. I, I like this thing quite a bit. Wow. I don't know if it's because I've been listening to them and then I knew I was going to see the show and then I saw the show and I had a great, you know, and they were really good. And so now as I listen to it again today, it just came more out yeah. more appreciate yeah. or something. But yeah, I really like this one a lot. Yeah. Well, I like it a lot, too. I remember uh, in 2020, when we reviewed Legal at Last, you gave it a higher rating as well. And I was like trying to figure out why is that? Because I'm an old Landville fan. And I think the conclusion that I came to anyway was that I've known all their old stuff. And when I first heard them way back in the in the early 80s, it was so heavy and so fucking rad. 
had that it's it's like impossible to match that for me now. You know what I mean? That feeling that I had mm-hmm. initially, like none of that stuff can be, yeah, none of that stuff can be topped in my mind. The stuff from the eighties, and uh, no matter how good the album actually is, I have to rate it a little lower, I think, than what I would rate the other albums. But an eight's a good rating. Let me play devil's advocate though. You like this about as well as Zabalba or the the new Exodus? I like it more. Well, you gave Exodus an eight and Zabalba an eight, right? And I and then I revised them up to or I revised Exodus up to an eight point five, I think. I think you might have, as I did. I'm gonna have to give this an eight point five. You're right. I'm not trying to convince you. It was just a just no, when you, question, when you put you know? it when you put it like that, it's like if someone said if someone said, okay, uh, what would you choose? You, you can never hear one of these albums again in the rest of your life. Zabalba or the new Anvil? I'd have to throw out Zabalba. So it has to be a higher rating. Yeah, 8.5. I agree with you. Okay. Yeah, because I, I, I found massive enjoyment listening to this, driving home and driving to work, putting my little earbuds in and just jamming on this. And I thought, yeah, this is cool. This is Anvil, right? And it, I thought it was better than the last album for sure. Yeah, it's heavier. I think anyone that likes Anvil, though, would like would like this album yeah maybe more so than the last one the diehard ones you know the old timers like me yep now 13 from 2007 which is not on spotify because actually you know they they played that one actually that was another one they played that's a cool song but uh it's not on spotify you can't listen to it on spotify um i have the cd in storage but uh that kind of came along with the with the um rockography or whatever you call it the anvil story from 2000 2008 or nine or whatever whenever it was released yeah that was that was for, for that album that they made that they made that documentary and that's a good album too i really like that album but i think this might be as good or better so yeah 8.5 you're right okay once again we're talking about impact is imminent by anvil released may 20th 2022 8.5 times two yeah well that's the first one we've agreed on like as far as a rating in a long time yeah, and you know what's funny is we within recent time, like I think, what was it the album that I rated? And then you said, well, wait, and you gave me a similar question and I bumped it up. What was that one for? Just a few weeks ago. Oh, that was uh that was decapitated. I kind of uh, yeah, de- yeah, it was decapitated. Yep, that's right. I'm like, yeah, because you gave it like an 8.8 or something, and I'm like, really? <laughs> <laughs> so I bumped it to a nine or something like that. Yeah, yeah, because I, I think I gave it a nine or 9.5. Because I thought I still think it's one of the better albums we've reviewed, but you know, there's a few of them. Should we go through them? There's Mofu, there's Pilot Priest, there's Enforced. There is uh for me anyway, uh Drowned. And um, what was the other 9.5 I had in there somewhere? Is that just I don't remember one? that one. I don't remember. El Shito. What was it? I should know it because it was so good. Hmm. It's hard to keep it all straight. You know, I was trying to look at some of the previous episodes just to see kind of what we had done, what albums we were reviewing, because I couldn't really remember. Right. A lot of them. A lot of them. hundred or something. <laughs> drowned. <laughs> drowned. Or we should count them up, actually, and see. Let's see. Drowned, drowned and Forced, Pilot Priest, Mofu. There's a fifth one, and I'm just claustrophobia. There's totally... one that was pretty high for that, me. That was a nine. That was a nine. Um, Are you talking nine point fives? Yeah, for me. I mean, let's see. Who was it? Maybe I'm inc- incorrect. Maybe it was decapitated. It is decapitated. 
Yeah, you rated that one very high. You might have. Was that a nine point five? I might have given it a nine point five. Yeah, I might have. Yeah, I think that's probably the fifth one that I gave that high of a rating. Huh. It'll come to me after the show's over. But anyway. So we way back in the infamous Chuck episode. This is something I just saw and was reminded of earlier today. That was episode five, right? Way yeah. back as well. Even further back than the Anvil episode. We talked about the autonomous vehicles and he was saying it was going to be years and years and years. Apparently, I know there's a company that's going to be releasing fully autonomous freight trucks. Yep. They've gotten uh, approval from the feds. Can not even have a driver in there. Yeah. So have you seen have you seen any of that stuff? Yes, I have. And Chuck was totally wrong because I told him it's coming sooner and you want it to come. Yeah. And he was in full on denial. There's a, there's a, there's a company in Arizona that's been, they have millions of miles already logged with those little cars with no one in them to taxi, to taxi people. We talked about that. Remember? So there was that one street that kept having like dozens of cars coming through and it was like a cul-de-sac and they were getting stuck there, there at the end. You remember that? Oh yeah. It was in San Francisco because <laughs> they were trying it out in San Francisco. What a place to try this thing out though with all the hills and the weird. I think it was Arizona though, where this thing was happening, where this. Issue no, they happening. were, they were testing out different company, but they were testing out the whole system in San Francisco to see how it would work. Cause the roads are so like crazy and, and they're, they're hilly and everything. And it was Lombard street. I think one of those like crazy, like windy streets. It's just nuts. And they're all getting cut, stuck at the end and they couldn't turn around. There's like, they're backed up all the way down the street and all the residents are pissed off. It's so funny. I'm yeah. pretty sure that was in San Francisco, but Arizona has been doing that for a few years now. Well, this company is called Einride. And according to what I read, they've received allowances from the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. Wow. This will be the first time that these autonomous vehicles without a driver are going to be approved to run on public roads. And I think it's coming pretty quick, dude. Are they are they hauling interstate f- freight though? They're gonna be freight trucks, yeah. Like the big, the big like 18 wheelers, 16, 18 wheelers you see on a freeway going state to state to state hauling goods. They're gonna be autonomous completely. Uh, they're not gonna be semi-trucks. It's a six-wheeled vehicle, all electric. Okay. Okay. Compatible okay. with standard shipping containers. And uh there's not gonna even be space for a driver. It's remotely monitored by a remote operator. Wow. Yeah. And this is going to go into the pilot's going to take place quarter three of 2022. So pretty much now. <laughs> okay. So, so there is still someone controlling the vehicle. It's not autonomous. No, it's autonomous. They're just going to be there. Probably they're going to be remotely monitored. So instead of having someone there for it, that was probably their gotcha. Oh, the way of getting of, it, it'll be kind of the same thing. It'll be like you probably have one person instead of riding in there, they probably have one person monitoring five vehicles or something, you know, or just on a screen with AI. It'll be like airline controllers, yes. They're, they're, yeah, yeah, yeah they're, they're, they'll see the, the dots on the screen where they're going, and they will, like, if something's going wrong or they're going a different direction, they can reroute them. I yes. see, interesting. And a lot of that's probably built in, the humans are probably there for. The fail safe and the approval. Yeah. Yeah. And the monitoring. Huh. Ooh, I'm I'm not gonna tell Chuck that. He'll be he'll be upset and he'll refute it. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. How much freight can they hold? Six wheel vehicles. It's a pretty big vehicle. Yeah, I don't know. Let's see if I can find it. Whoa. 
Yeah, what? they're actually interesting. Um, they look pretty big. The picture is pretty cool, actually. They look like a uh, white, a big white robot, like a big. Yeah, I mean, think. Um, I picture a long box with two segments and uh, four wheels on the back and two on the front. Yeah, it's one segment. Oh, but yeah, okay. two wheels in the back, two two uh, axles in the back and one in the front. Yeah. Okay. And it looks like a, almost like a big white trash truck kind of. So no. but I, I presume that the container goes inside and they'll deliver. It's going to be freight, you know, it's not going to be Amazon yet. That'll probably come later. So I wonder if they're the size, you know, those like single rectangular containers they put on the ships. Yeah. It's it probably exactly that size so they can do one at a time that way. That's ingenious. Wow. Very interesting. Sorry, Chuck. Sorry, Chuck. But he only he does like local, you know, up to Ontario and back and things like that. He doesn't ever do interstate stuff. But that's what's really going to be affecting him more than the interstate stuff. When these things can just go and go. What's to stop it from going from San Diego to San Bernardino to Fresno? Like nonstop. It doesn't have to stop to rest. It gets to where it's going, they unload it, and it moves on. It, it depends on whether it's gas or electric. It's electric. Okay, so then that's awesome. If they can get it to go without having to recharge for more than 500 miles or something, then then they're set. Then they can just, and it's even easier, though, because all of the roads, all of the highways leading out of each state are just basically straight lines. Just boom, go. There's yeah, nothing they go. really have, just nothing they have to really na- navigate. That makes the most sense. But is it financially reasonable or beneficial to be transporting things interstate one box at a time though that's the thing well i think their idea here is that there's supply chain shortages anyways labor shortages and everything so they don't have to rely on the people anymore I so see. they could they can keep it going would you rather have one half of your drivers going and carrying one half of your stuff or would you rather have a bunch of these vehicles that can just run constantly or x number of miles and charge up while it's while they're loading the next because all you figure they just need a little time they could probably swap out their batteries or something right i mean it'd be probably a pretty quick thing swap the batteries out and go on while they're unloading one crate and putting another one in and and any space like the cab with a sweeper and stuff for interstate hauling and stuff that's all gone not needed it's all gone that's all space for cargo yep or batteries Or, or batteries yep that's right so I saw a thing, you know, about the whole like lithium or the batteries that have become, um, well, what Elon Musk's use, you know, they're in their phones, right? Um, but they overheat. The problem with them is is overheating. And so they have to have even more space for a cooling system for the batteries, right? Did you hear about this? Like, uh, I think they're called, uh, what kind of batteries are they? They're like, like if you take, say you take a paper clip and you flatten it completely, you can like flatten it to the point where it's thinner than like an atom. Basically it cover like the size of like, say a tennis court. Right. So you get that metal and then you fold it and you fold it and you fold it. And then you do that over and over. And somehow that is like cold energy or it doesn't, you can use the energy in it, in it, in it, it recharges like almost instantly, like instead of a couple hours to charge your phone, it will take like five minutes and it doesn't overheat. It doesn't like heat up. So that's like the big thing, but right now it's not perfected. And there's a company, uh, there's a company in, um, where are they at? I just watched this the other day, but they are like researching this. And it's, I think it's uh, not stainless steel that they're using, but it's some metal 
that they figured out that they can, is it nickel? Might be nickel. Because they figured out they can use it instead of batteries. And once they perfected it, all that space that's used for cooling the lithium batteries with the coolers or the cooling systems can be used for more battery because it doesn't overheat and it recharges like instantly, but they can't get it to like hold the charge very long right now, but they figure when they get it perfected, it'll actually hold a charge like way longer than the lithium batteries. It's really interesting. I, I just heard about this like two days ago or something. Do you know anything about this? No, not really, but it's going to take creative solutions, man. You know, apparently like if you had one of these batteries and you like, you drove like a stake through, say you have a sledgehammer or, or a spike, the big, like freaking railroad spike and you just go wham right through the middle of it. The battery still keeps working because there's no liquid in it. That's a trip, dude. Interesting. And so what's the issue though, that they don't they don't store it well or something you said? Building it right now is, is not, it costs so much to like actually produce this in any quantity and it doesn't hold the charge long enough. Like lithium batteries hold it for a substantially longer period. But um, the, the whole key is that they don't overheat. So you have extra space for more battery and um, they're, more, they're more lightweight and they uh, recharge quicker. Those are the benefits. But right now they don't hold the charge like they want them to. So it's still in the kind of research phase of it. I wish I could remember what metal it was. I'm not looking at my phone. I'm just trying to like recall what it was. I want to say nickel, but nickel is kind of, kind of an expensive, kind of an expensive metal. Huh? Well, it'll come to me. I thought it was kind of cool. I thought maybe you knew something about it. No, no, that's cool though. Things people are able to do is, is crazy and figure stuff out, you know? Look at that uh, James Webb telescope. That thing took 20 years. How long? 20 years to build. Isn't there something wrong with it? I just heard there was something wrong with it. Uh, not what I read. What I read, in fact, said the telescope is healthy. Was it that I got hit by a couple like small impacts? Yeah. Yeah, that was it. Yeah. From what, what I read, they've designed to account for all that stuff. I guess their sensors are can account for a a certain mar margin of that, like a large margin to account for. So oh. they made it sound like it was no big deal. Yeah, what I read was here, quote, and although there have been five micrometeoroid impacts, the telescope was designed to account for these small dings with a lot of margin. Okay. Yeah, when I, when I initially heard about it, like right after it happened, it was more like a gray area thing, like, you know, it got hit by some meteorites. We don't really know what the state of the blah, blah, blah is in. And I'm just like, oh, fuck, it's already toast. So I didn't hear anything beyond that. So that's cool. Good. Yeah, they're going to they're gonna be releasing some pictures July 12th. So coming up soon. And it's going to be the deepest, deepest images that they've, they've ever taken. Well, better be. Was that the size of a tennis court or something? When it unfurls? Sounds about right. Yeah. A little hexagon. Um panels mm -hmm. or whatever yeah that thing and how how much over budget and how many years longer did it take right i have no idea but i know it took 20 years to build yeah it was years it was originally supposed to be uh launched i think in 2018 and then it got pushed to what 2020 and then when did it finally get launched 2021 uh christmas day 2021 yeah so i was kind of surprised they actually finally got it up there <laughs> Yeah, well, it doesn't sound like it was an easy task. I haven't seen seen it, but there's a currently a documentary on it that someone did and followed the whole development. It's a big project, billions of dollars, right? Yeah. So this is what I wanted to talk some space stuff too. Um, 
the Voyagers one and two launched in uh, the late seventies, right? Did you hear about what's going on with the Voyagers? No, no. What happened? Well, they they still have um, they've turned off a lot of a lot of the different instruments on on both of them to conserve uh, conserve power because it's like one it's a nuclear powered engine and it's slowly decaying. They think it'll last maybe till twenty twenty five. I think they said, but um, I think Voyager one. It's been going for like almost 50 years, right? 45, 46 years, something like that. 45 years, both of them. Yeah, they actually launched Voyager 2 first and then launched Voyager 1 like two weeks later, which kind of doesn't make sense. But um, it's a, you know, technology freeze. When they get to a certain spot, they have to freeze the technology so they can just build it out and then send it. Otherwise, they'll never, they'll always be revising it and they'll never get launched. Yeah. 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 So they kind of did that with both of them. And then one kind of surpassed the other Voyager one was way more advanced uh, when they freeze, when they froze that one, but Voyager two was already ready to go. So they just sent that one and Voyager one, like flew right by Voyager two, even though Voyager two was launched a couple weeks beforehand. Did they take different routes though? I mean, it was different, right? They went different paths. They went kind of to the same spot, I think past Jupiter. And then one went like, like up, I guess you could say, and the other one went down, and and one of them like surveyed uh, Neptune, you know, Uranus, Neptune, the moons of those. That's the only probes we've had that have gone to to Uranus, and Neptune, and seen any of the moons or anything. That's all the information we have. Can you believe that shit? You'd think That's that they crazy. would have explored those more. I don't know, but they're so far out that it takes a long time, dude. <laughs> well, and they happen to they happen to be set on that alignment in the in that right perfect spot in time where all the planets were aligned just just right so they could like slingshot off of one planet take pictures of the next one slingshot from that one go to the next one slingshot off of that one and just go right down the line and that was they called it the grand tour right well one of them did that whole grand tour and the other one they decided to shoot i think upwards if you know you're looking on a plane shooting up right i know there's no up and down in space but uh, and the other one went the other direction. So they're going different directions and everything. But uh, I think it was, I think it was uh, Voyager 1 recently has been sending back like strange data or something. Like, what do you mean? Anything? No, no. What do you mean strange data? It, it seems to have, it's still, it's still aiming its dish toward Earth like it's supposed to. So it can still kind of orient itself. But it's sending out, instead of sending back, um, you know, like ones and zeros, basically, this is a, lame way to put it but that's the only way i can under, really like explain it instead of sending back like ones and zeros and everything it's sending back like different random numbers and they can't figure out what the fuck it's doing but somehow it's still orienting itself okay because we still get the signals from it and they can still like send signals to it so it still knows kind of where but it's sending signals back to to earth saying basically saying that it doesn't know where it's at like it's lost even though it's still on the well, same it's trajectory damn far. <laughs> it's on the same tra- i think but I think like I think like interstellar space, I think there's some some weird, well, dark energy or dark matter. There's something that's fucking with the electronics and it's pretty old. Yeah. You know, but they've shut all but like two different sensors off um, to conserve power. And they think it'll last a few more years. But something is making it kind of glitchy, you know, and uh, they seem kind of like nonchalant about it. You know, like, well, we couldn't figure it out at first, but it's we can still pick up messages from it. And it still seems to know where it's at, even though it's communicating back to Earth that it doesn't seem to know where it's at. Like it, it you know, the stars and everything, it has some some way of knowing, you know, course correcting or everything. Now it's just going straight. It's just it just keeps going. But now it's in interstellar space and it's just it seems like it feels like it's lost or something. But it, there's still communication going. It's hard to explain. I, I saw this like a week ago. 
And it said uh, NASA reestablishes contact with Voyager 2. This isn't Voyager 1. This is Voyager 2. And Voyager 2 was having some sort of other problems as well. Once uh, it reached, it just recently reached interstellar space. I think Voyager 1 did in 2012. And Voyager 2 just reached, inter, you know, uh, the heliopause. I think it's called the heliopause. Yep. There's no more energy from the sun. Is that the heliopause? Okay. I think so. Yeah. Like that boundary where there's no more energy coming from the sun that reaches there. Right. Right. Yeah. It says, it says here, the craft is traveling more than 11.6 billion miles from earth or um, 18.8 billion kilometers, billion dude. It is beyond the heliopause. That's right. Or boundary region where the sun's influence ends interstellar medium begins 43 years old. Uh, it was left flying solo for seven months while repairs were made to the radio antenna that commands it. The only radio antenna that can command the space probe, the deep space station, 43 DSS 43 antenna in Canberra, Australia, because it's it's on the other side of the, the universe. You know what I mean? And that has been offline since March. So they reestablish it, I guess. Uh, the operator sent a series of test commands to Voyager 2 using the antenna, which established a, sig a signal confirming the call was received. The spacecraft executed the commands without issue, uh, according to a NASA statement. Isn't that cool? Yeah, it's amazing. It is. Billions, billions and billions. Yeah, it's crazy. Billions of miles. It's insane. Uh, I said Voyager 2 entered interstellar space two years ago in November of 2018. It exited the heliosphere. Uh, the protective bubble of particles. How many years ago? What did you say? Two, two years uh, ago? You're reading an old article. November of 2018. Yeah, it's four years. Almost four years. You're right, reading an old right. article. No, it says Voyager 2 entered interstellar space two years ago. Oh, yeah, I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. Yeah, in November of 18. So this is a two-year-old. But um, Yeah, so yeah. The 45, 43, it should be corrected a 45-year-old. Yeah, it's even further now, too. Yeah. Wow. That's pretty cool, though. Oh, yeah, yeah. This is what it was. Um, the Voyager 1 telemetry data. The spacecraft continues to return science data and otherwise operate as normal. The mission team is searching for the source of a system data issue. Now, that was uh, May, May 18th of 2022. This is what I was talking about. The Interstellar Explorer is operating normally, receiving executing commands from Earth, along with gathering and returning space science data. But readouts from the probe's attitude, articulation, and control system, or AACS, don't reflect what's actually happening on board. That's what I'm. That's what I was talking about. The AACS controls the 45-year-old spacecraft's orientation, among other tasks. It keeps Voyager One's high-gain antenna pointed precisely at Earth, enabling it to send data home. All signs suggest that it is still working, but the telemetry data is returning that it is returning is invalid. For instance, the data data may appear to be randomly generated or does not reflect any possible state the AAC, AACS could be in. Isn't that trippy? Is the signal degrading? It says it takes light 20 hours and 33 minutes to travel. Right. From Earth to one, way. Voyage, one way. One way. So it takes two days to send a message and get a response. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. So something de degrading the signal? Or do you think that there's something out there infer interfering with the electronics is it that there's something out there warping it i mean what is what do you think is going on there? I, I don't know i almost think it I, well age like you said but i almost think there's something about interstellar space that, that, that we just don't know about or understand like the dark matter thing something is fucking with the electronics it says that it hasn't triggered any onboard fault protection systems which are designed to put the spacecraft spacecraft into safe mode 
a state where only essential operations are carried out, giving engineers time to diagnose an issue, Voyager 1's signal hasn't weakened either, which suggests the high gain antenna remains in its prescribed orientation with Earth. So it's still functioning correctly, but it's sending back just nonsense gibberish data. Isn't that weird? They said they're going to monitor the signal closely as they continue to determine whether the invalid data is coming directly from the AACS or another system involved in producing and sending telemetry data. That's fucking weird, dude. It's amazing. All these cool things that these monkeys do, right? Primates have done. It's kind of cool. Mm. What was that article from? From two years ago? Yeah, that's what it said. How far away was it? He said 12 something. Now I'm looking at NASA.gov and it says 14.5 billion. Yeah, 23.3 billion kilometers. So it's traveled over two and a half billion miles just in the last two years. Two years. That's a trip, dude. Well, it's getting faster, right? Is it getting faster? I don't think so. I don't think things speed up in space. Once you're at that speed, you stay at that speed. No matter what. If anything, it would be slowing down if it's hitting particles and and debris and micromediates, yeah. Yeah, that's why I was yeah. saying that. But because I don't know. I mean, it seems like if it took two billion year two two years to travel two billion miles, well, it's only 14.5 after 40 some years, 45 right. years. Maybe it had to get up to right. speed. It took a long time to get up to speed. Mm. Or maybe mm. the the trajectory, because as you were saying, they were having to catapult off planets, they're going one way and then getting launched the other way or something. So maybe it's obviously not a straight line. So the distance from Earth isn't going to necessarily relate. Now they're just going straight, right? They're not doing anything else at a constant speed. Um, yeah, but initially they for it. right, but initially they were speeding up because they would slingshot off of each planet and it would speed them up like massively. And then you get to the next one, speed up, you know, exponential to the point where they're going freaking what thirty five kilometers a second or something, something insane. I forget what it was. It's a lot. Um, project manager for Voyager one and two at NASA's Jet Propulsion Laboratory in Southern California. She said the spacecraft are both almost 45 years old, which is far beyond what the mission planners anticipated. We're also in interstellar space, a high radiation environment that no spacecraft has ever flown before. So there are some big challenges for the engineering team, but I think if there's a way to solve this issue with the AACS, we will find it. Yeah, or they don't. <laughs> you know? Or they don't, yeah. Yeah. I mean, they've had other stuff go wrong, right? They've had to switch different systems and they're probably they're probably getting messages from the voyagers. We have taken control of your probe. We will Maybe be that's there. What it is. <laughs> we will be will be there in 40 hours. Oh shit, we got two days. All right. Well, thanks for listening to Scatterbrained, and we will see you next week. Are we good? Thanks for listening, everyone. <laughs>